Cha-cha-cha, ladies and gentlemen. What's going on? Hello, hello, hello. Good evening, good morning, good night, wherever it is in the world that you might happen to be. It might very well be the Mern time at this hour, ladies and gentlemen, <clears throat> that we're coming to you live with yet another edition of Mr. C in the Dark, episode number 66, if you're uh, keeping count, that is, you know. Uh, I hope everyone's doing well tonight. Uh, we are doing live here this noche uh, at the uh, break of midnight, ladies and gentlemen, uh, just to try and get into the swing of things again and uh, doing our live shows here at night. Mr. C in the Dark, I know a lot of you guys have missed it. A lot of you guys have been asking, when are you going to do another C in the Dark show? Um, and uh, well, well, so here we are, ladies and gentlemen. Here we are, and uh, I hope you guys are having a wonderful, wonderful Saturday, uh, end time, Sunday, start time. We, uh, we uh, streamed uh, President Trump's um, rally this afternoon, slash, it was a great rally, you know? Um, I got a lot of feedback on the rally about what, you know, uh, some people thought about it and, uh, you know, what they felt. They actually, some people actually felt that President Trump really delivered a wham, pow, boom, bang type of a, a rally speech last week in Georgia, which, you know, I would have to agree with to a point. Um, but the speakers at this rally, uh, you know, the guest speakers were, they were the ones that were really delivering it um, today. So that was actually pretty cool to see. And uh, I, I rather enjoyed it very much, uh, you know. Um, <clears throat> we're always hoping that, you know, President Trump will throw out something new, right? Something new, something borrowed, something blue, whatever. Anyways, uh, he, he, he pretty much followed the outline of his Georgia, of his Georgia um, uh, speech that he gave last weekend, which was fine. To me, it's fine, you know. Uh, there's always gems hidden within if you're looking hard enough for them. But like I said, the speakers did very well. I mean, did very well, you know. I mean, uh, Herschel Walker did great. Marjorie Taylor Greene did great. Vernon Jones was just kind of sounding like Vernon Jones, you know what I mean? Like, it wasn't like sincere, but you know, it was, it was still with plenty of punch for Vernon Jones, but, uh, Christina Caramo, oh man, did she deliver, um, and, and even that one dude, John Gibbs, right, is that his name, John Gibbs, I've never heard of the man before, but, uh, for all of his, all of his, uh, how, how do you say it, for all of his, uh, um, punctual type of, uh, proper speaking narrative, um, <laughs> the man had jokes, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, he gritted his teeth, he was like, mama bears, girl, let's get out there, mama bears, <laughs> we're not gonna let this wretched Gretchen Whitmer, mama bear, psycho soccer mom, uh, take over, ladies and gentlemen. So I rather enjoyed John Gibbs, and uh, I look forward to him replacing Peter Meyer, the rhino in resident incumbent over there in Michigan's District Number Three. Uh, Matt DiPerno did pretty good. 
But you know, it's funny. I mean, as outspoken as lawyers should be, right? So used to public speaking. I think Christina Caramo, whoo, man, she took the cake. You know, uh, Matthew DiPerno still, ha I mean, it took him, uh, it took him like a pace or two to build up to, you know, getting into it. But you know, that's Matt DiPerno for you. What could, what could I say? The man led the charge on the civilian side as far as the jurisprudence and the jurisdiction stuff goes with, uh, you know, our uh, election integrity efforts here in the United States of America now and then. And don't you know, ladies and gentlemen. So anyhow, good rally overall. That's what we were doing this afternoon. We streamed for about five hours. Uh, had had great conversation throughout, whether it was over at the foxhole.atpill.net, even over at Twitch, you know, we had some good conversation going throughout the afternoon. No need to talk about the trolls that stopped in there, right? Right. Uh, so just uh, doing it again live today. If you were here with us last night, um, oh, our topic du jour was Russia, 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 and open tabs. Incidentally, we did open tabs and then we did Russia, 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 um, at the end of the night, which I thought, you know, was, uh, it was pretty meaningful discourse, you know, uh, providing another perspective, a different point of view on what is going over there on in Ukraine and NATO and Russia right so that's always a good thing and i think it was i think it was uh i think it was well received it's just you know who wants to talk about war at 2 a.m well let's not forget it might be 2 a.m over here central time but it's like i don't know 10 p.m in honolulu or something like that anyways it's it's already morning time on the other side of the world but uh, we do reserve uh, heavier topics of conversation for in the dark, right? And um, uh, we're gonna we're gonna do a little bit of a heavy bit of a kind of conversation probably to start here tonight, guys, um, because as you all may know, um, I was lying on my back for about three or four days because uh, my back was just not working. Right? It's like, come on, spine, work with me. I just wasn't doing it. Um, but most fortunately. Most fortunately, um, that, uh, that labor of lower back luggage seems to be straightening out, or it might just be, it might just be the, uh, the petrol-based pharmaceuticals that I am currently taking. I don't know, you know, because, like, muscle relaxers, pain, they don't seem to do the job for me. I mean, it seems like my head gets dizzy, but my back still hurts. So whatever synaptic connections and nerve connections are supposed to take, whatever petrol chemicals are making me feel like I have muscle relaxation is just not working, right? It just cuts off right about here. It's like, boo, it's stuck in your head. So, you know, I'm like, oh, this feels great, but my back is still killing me. Uh, maybe they're just not strong enough. I don't know. I mean, I mean, if I'm being absolutely honest with you guys, I used to do quite a lot of experimentation with the pharmaceutical types back in my younger years. Uh, so I know my dose, if you know what I mean, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, and I don't take anything that could be considered addictive. 
because I just don't play those games, ladies and gentlemen. Keep that stuff away from me. I don't want your morphine and chocolate. I don't want your codeine. Get it away from me. Keep that away, okay? I don't do that. That is not... Get your Xanax bars out of here. I don't want your tabs. You go fall asleep over there in that room. Thank you very much, okay? Have no love for it. Makes people very boring whenever they take those types of medications. Anyways, that's besides the point, guys. I'm just I'm just saying when I was laying on my back for about three or four days, uh, you, there was a lot of news and information that was just pumping out, pumping out, pumping out. It always happens when I'm off the air, okay? Not that it was anything that was absolutely detrimental or pivotal within the existence of our being, but at the same time, it was, uh, it was detrimental and pivotal for some situations, you know. Uh, more specifically, I would be talking about KBJ. Do we have to call her KBJ? I don't think she merits an acronym, ladies and gentlemen. Kintanji. Say the bitch's name, right? Kintanji Brown Jackson. Now, I started to talk about Kintanji Brown Jackson... Uh, early on, well, actually not even early, I, I like, before, right before President Trump went on stage, I started talking about Contagia Brown Jackson, and everyone was like, don't talk about Contagia Brown Jackson, we don't want you to bring us down with KBJ, etc, 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 and I was like, you know what, you're right, and when you're right, you're right, and so we're not going to talk about, we talked about it a little bit, okay, but we did not talk, talk about it, because... I don't know, it must have been on, I think, maybe around Thursday. Like, right when I got back on the air, right when I was like, okay, I think my back can deal with, you know, sitting up straight and erect for, like, at least two hours on a chair, that I was like, um, well, we're going to talk about, you know, because, I, you know, there's a certain way to do things here at Mr. CTV. We, like a smooth kind of narrative type of storyline. And so uh, we had to open up with distractions, which means we had to talk about Russia and Ukraine when I got back on Thursday. And I think Thursday is when the big news with Kentanji Brown Jackson broke. Now, it, it, it is big news relative to what you understand or glean of this story. I mean, obviously, obviously, uh, we have already heard the facts that Contanja Brown Jackson is rather lenient when it comes to sentencing uh, individuals who are in possession and or enjoy trading, swapping, or distributing child pornography. Um, so we were already aware of that by like two weeks ago, right? I mean, that was one of the points that they were hammering down on her right at the opening of her hearing. Was it even two weeks ago, a week ago? I don't know. I was on my back for like almost a week. So you guys tell me. But ladies and gentlemen, um, then, then, then came this information that was uh, talking about, and this is kind of what I was thinking on the lines of Contangi Brown Jackson, you know, she might, uh, she might, she might uh, sentence lightly those individuals who possess and distribute child pornography. She might say 
that uh, she empathizes with the child in the room, okay? But, uh, and I mean, I mean the child who's being abused, okay? Not, not, not apologizing for the possessor of the child pornography, but, but for the child who is being abused and exploited in those films or photos or whatever they are. Okay, whatever they are. Um, th then we hear kind of as an undercurrent that the Democrats are hiding her cases. Like they're, they're trying to keep the cases that she has uh, made decisions on, that she's sentenced on, that she... They're trying to hide that stuff. Okay, so what does Contangi Brown Jackson have to hide? Okay, so... Thursday, I'm talking about Russia and Ukraine, right? Friday, we're talking about election integrity and election fraud 2020 style. And I have this story sitting in my tabs, right? My tabs. I got plenty of tabs um, that's talking about some of the cases that she's hidden and, and what they really are. Like, we're, we're not just talking about you know, photos of children in inappropriate um, depictions. Uh, we're, we're, you know, I mean, some of the cases that she judged on, uh, to, to be frank, and you know we don't like being frank here, but to be frank, uh, we're talking about, like, child pornography that deals with infants toddlers rape and torture okay that's a big deal that's a big deal and i can see why it is that the democrats and the left were so hard up no pun intended to hide these cases from overview during this sentencing period you know anyways this story broke on steve bannon's war room as far as i know okay uh, he spoke with a dude by the name of Mike Davis, and uh, Mike Davis is working with uh, an organization called the Article 3 Project, if I'm not mistaken. So we're going to go kind of through some of that tonight, guys. And um, I already went through some of the case files and the transcripts, and I, you know, had to decide whether or not I was going to share that with you guys on the air. Um, it's graphic, okay? It's, it's really graphic. Um, so I don't think that I am going to share with you the particulars of the cases. I feel, I just don't, I don't even know how I feel having read what I read that were in those cases. I will provide, however, links to all of the websites and all of the PDFs and the files if you guys want to review that on your own. Um, but, uh, you know, one of the cases, and there were eight cases in particular, where they have all of the transcripts and they have all of the, uh, uh, all of the, um, uh, what is that called? Stenographications. <laughs> you know, you get your stenographer taken down, uh, you know, notes or whatever, shorthand style. Uh, they have all of that, you know, available for those eight cases. Uh, one of them is sealed. One of the cases is sealed, uh, interesting enough. Um, but the other seven, it's all available, ladies and gentlemen, and it's graphic and it's dirty 
It's lurid, it's perverse, it's sick, it's disgusting. And uh, I just, I don't think I want to take you guys that deep. And my initial thought was, this needs to be shared with the public so that the public has an idea of how this woman ruled on these cases, okay? And one of them in particular, uh, it was the, uh, let me see, uh, I think it was the the Chazin case. That's the name of the defendant, Chazin. Uh, that's the one in particular that dealt with infants and toddlers in situations of, of rape. I mean, you're, you're, you're going to tell me that you're going to give a light sentence to someone who is not just trading photos, etc., but is engaged in video footage of rape and torture of infants and toddlers. And you're going to tell me that they deserve a light sentence. You're, you know, and, and, uh, I didn't even get through the transcript of that one. It's like 50 pages long, if not more, it might be more long. I think it's like 80 something pages long, but, um, you know, they're going to, she said she's felt empathy for these individuals. Oh, and what, what was that one article that we covered last weekend or this past weekend or Friday or week? We covered it like one of these last few days uh, where uh, they feel, they feel that empathy is, is why the Republicans are going so hard on her. Okay. Now to Steve Bannon's point, when he was talking with Mike Davis, um, he was telling him, we need to get these documents over to Mittens Romney, right? And I've heard about incidents of Mittens Romney and children and choking, okay? So for all I know, Mittens Romney might like this reading material. I can tell you I didn't, just going through it. Um, and, and, and largely... Aside from the abuse and the exploitation, it wasn't, um, it wasn't violent, okay? I mean, it's all violence, don't get me wrong, but it wasn't like torture, okay? Uh, the case with the torture and the rape, um, fortunately, that one was not graphically transcribed, um, but it's there, it's there. Um, on that one, I actually have it right in front of me right now. On that one, I wonder, let me, let me see what she, well, let me see what her sentence was for this, uh, this sick, sick joke. Um, let's see, it says here, the government submits that a guideline sentence between 78 and 97 months is a reasonable sentence in this case and is sufficient but not greater than necessary to comply with the purposes of sentencing. Uh, so it doesn't say what she sentenced him to. Uh, probably you can get the information on the website um, about how she sentenced that one. Uh, and then some of these guys were repeat offenders like within their, within their probationary period or their whatever. Uh, but he, I mean, we know guys, we know in our heart of hearts, we, we know deep inside of us that um, this, this cannot fly. This cannot fly. And, and we're looking at three rhinos who are going to possibly confirm her. Three rhinos who are going to possibly confirm her. 
like this is political suicide anyone who would confirm this thing for anyone who would confirm this thing for any type of role it's political suicide i don't i just it, it, it is it is whoo let me tell you what, guys. So, uh, oh, we're not going to jump into that just yet, okay? I I'm going to talk with you guys a little bit before we get into that. But just so you know, uh, we'll probably look at the Bannon interview. Um, I'll we'll parse through some of the material. We'll we'll give you guys the light end of that discussion, and then absolutely, they're 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 confirming their votes on Monday, ladies and gentlemen. They're confirming their votes on Monday. So that would mean call your senators tonight, tomorrow, uh, leave a message. I wouldn't doubt that every senator's answering machine is totally stuffed and blocked and full of, uh, full of uh, messages telling them, don't you dare confirm that sick Pennywise clown. You guys see why I called her Pennywise, right? Okay. <laughs> Hold on, hold on, hold on. First of all, good evening, uh, Nana, Mar Nana Mary1957. Bubbles, good to see you. Relanon, good evening, and thank you for donating 117 gold pills. And Mr. Slick Shoe, good evening, sir. Thanks for joining us live. Uh, we are live on Rumble. If you're hanging out at Rumble, what's up? Good evening. If you're hanging out at Twitch, thanks for joining us. Clout Hub always welcome and of course pill.net and the foxhole.app so yeah i, I kind of just dove headlong into that didn't i uh well i gotta say reviewing some of these documents i was just like i'm gonna go take a shower <laughs> it's just mm -mm. no sorry bob ladies and gentlemen um it, it's pretty heavy stuff it's pretty heavy stuff i think you guys will get the idea just based on the uh just based on the um, <clears throat> contexts and, uh, you know, whatever it is that the articles will be reading that say. But anyhow, guys, anyhow, hope you guys are doing great. Just so you know, you're in for a ride tonight if you decide to stick around with us. And uh, we'll probably do some open tabs shortly thereafter. I'm trying to get through all of this news before it's just so old that, you know, What's the point, right? Huh. We got we got the latest uh, the latest report on these stories coming up. So uh, trying to get some of that done. Uh, I don't even remember what we talked about last night, you know. But uh, I don't know. Um, uh, you know, I mean, we're here now, so uh, I guess we could just get going on this. So we could just let's just, let's just get it out of the way, right? <laughs> let's just get this out of the way, okay? Now, had I not been on my back for three or four days, I might have gotten this to you guys in a more timely fashion, right? Uh, but unfortunately, <clears throat> that was not the case, ladies and gentlemen. That was not the case. Uh, so, Contangi Brown Jackson. Yeah, there's Pennywise. You People are like, why do you call her Pennywise, Mr. C? Why do you call Kintanja Brown Jackson Pennywise? Look at them child chompers, ladies and gentlemen. Look at them child chompers. Now, admittedly, ladies and gentlemen, uh, it, it could have been the fact that um, I couldn't find the picture. I could not find the photograph. 
wherein she truly looks like Pennywise. Like she's got like foundation on that's like a shade or two light for her skin tone. And she's got those blood red lips and she's smiling all Pennywise like. And I get it guys, you know, no one could really see the Pennywise because I wasn't talking about the new Pennywise, okay? I was talking about Tim Curry's Pennywise, all right? That's who these sickos remind me of, okay? They remind me of Pennywise the Clown, a la uh, Stephen Keen, 1990, right? Circa 1990. That's who they remind me of, okay? But to be fair, okay, to be fair, the, the, the individual who really resembles Pennywise the Clown is this one, okay? <laughs> I couldn't find the picture of this one either. You know, I apologize. I apologize. There's a better one that this one represents as Pennywise the Clown. Let me tell you what. You guys are probably wondering who this individual is. Where's my hand at? You guys are probably wondering who this individual is. Right, wait. Who this individual is? <laughs> you guys are probably like, who is that lady and what does she have to do with Katanja Brown and Pennywise the Clown? She don't got nothing to do with that. This is Nicole Hannah Jones, ladies and gentlemen. For those of you who do not know who Nicole Hannah Jones is, this woman is the founder of the 1619 Project, ladies and gentlemen. Now, for those of you who do not know, the 1619 Project is basically where they infested critical race theory and all of that crap into our schools. It's a 1619 project. Their whole point was to uh, erase the constitution of the United States of America and to reclaim history from, I don't know where the hell Ida B. Wells, I guess Ida B. Wells is the name of the individual that they're basing all of this on. And they're out of Virginia, the 1619 project. Look at them child chompers on Hannah Nicole Jones, or Nicole Hannah Jones, ladies and gentlemen. Look at those child chompers. Do you see them? I hope you see them, ladies and gentlemen. You see this Pennywise the Clown? L look at her, look at her little uh, upside down pyramid triangle earrings, right? Right? Catch this woman in a dark room with a child, right? Uh-huh. Okay. Now, there's a reason why I'm talking about Nicole Hannah-Jones, guys. There's a reason. I'm not just saying that she and Contangie Brown-Jackson wear makeup and hair and lipstick that make them look like Pennywise the Clown, okay? I'm not just saying that to say that. Here she is again. There's Pennywise. They float. They all float down here, ladies and gentlemen. They all float. Okay, I'm not just saying that to be comical. All right? I'm not just saying that to be comical. Contangia Brown Jackson looks up to Nicole Hannah-Jones. Just like that doofus, what was his name? Missy Elliott? Or what was it? Eli Mistel or Ellie Missy or some crap like that? The one that's like, the Constitution is crap! No one asked me, Massa, if I was going to have emancipation without proclamation, Mansa. You remember that guy, right? You remember that guy, don't you? So that guy, okay, uh, all of these people back Kentangi Brown Jackson, all of these progressive critical race theory activist pieces of junk back Kentangi Brown Jackson. 
is the reason why I was showing you those pictures, ladies and gentlemen. Other than the fact that, you know, I think their makeup is on par with, uh, you know, Pennywise the Clown. But maybe, maybe it's not the makeup that was reminding me about Pennywise the Clown. Maybe it's their love of children, ladies and gentlemen. Maybe that is what reminds me of Pennywise the Clown. Maybe it's their propensity to protect, uh, to protect uh, um, individuals that harm children, ladies and gentlemen. Maybe that's what reminds me of Pennywise the Clown, ladies and gentlemen. Marxist clowns they are, Two Rivers, indeed. Indeed, indeed. Hey, Philly Q, what's going on? Good to see you. So maybe it's, maybe that's what it is. Maybe it's that these people all have their child chompers, right? And uh, they are all predators. And this one is definitely an individual that enables that uh, based on her sentencing and based on, uh, based on uh, how she has dealt with these cases in the past. So it was, it was, you know, when I done heard it, ladies and gentlemen, I was like, holy smokes, I'm about, you know, three days too late on this. Particularly when we have like, what, a split a Senate, basically, and what, Kamala's going to fall out of the sky, just like Pennywise the clown with her red balloons and vote to confirm Contangi Brown Jackson. We can't do it. We cannot do it, ladies and gentlemen. Let me tell you what. We will be in a world of trouble if this happens. Okay. I mean, so much information has come to the light over this confirmation hearing. You know, I don't even want to hear about, uh, you know, how this compares to Brett Kavanaugh running train on some hoe. You know, I don't want to hear that. Okay. We know very well that this has gone nowhere like that. This has gone, I mean, this entire hearing is nothing like what we saw with Amy Comey Barrett and, uh, Comey Barrett and, uh, and Brett Kavanaugh. Okay. And I, I, you know, and I'm honestly not even saying that I'm on their side, honestly, you know, uh, I think that, uh, President Trump chose those two individuals to be justices, Supreme Court justices, because he was putting a spotlight on them, ladies and gentlemen, because I feel based on some of the information that I have been privy to that both Amy Coney Barrett and Brett Kavanaugh probably have some skeletons in their closet and they needed to be put up into the light so we could get rid of them. Okay. SCOTUS gate is coming. I don't know when it's coming, but it's coming, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, that's pretty much all I got to say about that at this point in time. Hold on, let me see. Uh, why can't, why are you not finding what I'm looking for? I want to show you guys, um, I want to show you guys the, the video with Mike Davis and uh, Steve Bannon. Okay. Uh, I could probably just go to Bannon's war room and yeah, I should, let me just do that. I'm trying to do it through rumble, but I mean, I'm trying to do it through the gateway pundit, but it's not working. Uh, 
uh, apparently they also, apparently they also, um, what's the word? Uh, they, uh, this Mike Davis dude, apparently he also released an ad about, um, Contanja Jackson. Uh, let's see here. Okay, I think I found it. It's it just sucks because it feels like this is such the late hour. You know what I mean? Like it is such the late hour. And we just had to do Kentanji tonight, guys, because they're voting on her on Monday. All right, that's already too late. That is already too late. Okay, so here is the. Uh, it's gonna show the commercial, and then we'll watch some of this interview. Here we go, ladies and gents. Here we go. When Judge Ketanji Brown Jackson was asked why she sentenced a child sex offender to just three months instead of a recommended eight years, she blamed everyone but herself. Jackson has ordered lenient sentences in every child pornography case she could, eight out of eight times. Activist judges like Ketanji Brown Jackson are more concerned about the well-being of pedophiles than the safety of your children. And thanks to her, they may be living in your neighborhood. Call your senators today and tell them to vote no on Judge Jackson's nomination. Okay, welcome. You're in the war room. It's Saturday, 2 April, year of our Lord, 2022. We're live here. Uh, a lot going on. Uh, we've got a lot of work to do. Of course, we've got an invasion on the southern border. We have a financial meltdown, um, you know, inflation running rampant, uh, all kind of terrible indices, the inverted yield curve, which means the recession's on its way, a massive recession. So all of that is happening. And um, we're going to have to deal with it. One of the things before us today, because the work of the day is what you've got to get done, is a it's turned into an epic fight in a confirmation hearing that wasn't supposed to happen. It wasn't supposed to happen because this one was supposed to just glide through. Uh, as the Obama administration, the mainstream media told us about uh, Judge Brown Jackson, about her qualifications. And there's no question. I want to say this again. I want to start the show with it. Um, she is extremely well qualified. She's gone to the best universities in the country, if not the world. She's excelled at those universities. She's been at the top of her law school class, and she's done everything she was supposed to do in law school. She's clerked for the right people. She's worked at the big law firms. Uh, she's got a stellar record of performance. Um, she is, I think, a lifetime, she's a lifetime appointment onto the appeals court in the District of Columbia, which is this one notch down from the United States Supreme Court, and she was confirmed by the United States Senate in that process. But that does not deal with the issue that we've been forced to deal with. One of the reasons we've been forced to deal with is the Biden administration and the uh, Judiciary Committee and the media has done has gone out of its way to suppress and hide uh, and cover up vital information about a topic which is about uh, the rape and torture of babies and children for pleasure and profit. That's what it is. It's for people's pleasure and for people to make money. So, and I don't mean to pause it, but I do. Do you see how this topic is coming up again, guys? You see how it is recycling again? So, perhaps Kentanji Brown's confirmation is a pathway, a doorway, a gateway. We have to cross this threshold to bring this back into the minds of the people, okay? When I heard Bannon say that, I was like, okay, game on, game on, okay? He said it, the torture, 
and the abuse of children for profit and pleasure. Get it back in your minds, America. This issue has not gone away. All right? Game on, Steve Bannon. Game on. And that's what we're dealing with. And what we're dealing with is why she allowed uh, this to happen in her courtroom with her judgments about people that were uh, on, uh, on trial for this. Um, and so I got Brian Mike Davis of Article 3, and that commercial, that spot is running now uh, by uh, his group, and people are donating into his group to continue to have that run. I want to bring in Mike Davis, head of Article 3. Mike, is that is that too harsh? I mean, how do you back up? She's more concerned with the well-being of pedophiles than she is, I guess, about your your family. And um, and uh, she's letting them loose, or they're there to pray in, 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 in your neighborhood. Is that... Um, is that overselling? Have you crossed the line? Is that overhyping what the reality is here, sir? Well, uh, uh, no, it's very much factual. And I, uh, I, we did a very deep dive at the Article 3 project. I used to be the chief counsel for nominations on the Senate Judiciary Committee for Chuck Grassley, the chairman, during the Kavanaugh confirmation. I was, the, in other words, the, the staff leader for the Kavanaugh confirmation. I helped Justice Gorsuch get through the process as his former law clerk and then served with him on the Supreme Court as a law clerk. Uh, this uh, We did a deep dive on this stuff, and it's very serious. This is not uh, this is not wacky conspiracy, conspiracy theory stuff. This is from her eight-year record as a district court judge. And I got this information from going and obtaining the sentencing hearing transcripts where she sentenced these people to prison, along with the prosecutor's recommendations on the sentences before she sentenced these people. And what we found is that eight of eight times when Judge Jackson had discretion to sentence these these convicts who possessed and distributed child pornography, uh, these are the worst people on the planet, uh, eight of eight times Judge Jackson sentenced below the federal guidelines from the United States Sentencing Commission, eight of eight times. And seven of these eight times, she sentenced below the U.S. attorney's recommendation. Um, we think she did it eight of eight times, but the on the eighth case, this Kane case that we'll talk about, uh, the sentencing recommendation from the U.S. attorney's office is under seal in the courts. This is a dangerous pattern. It's not exaggerated. Uh, it's on the Article Three part, Project's website with page sites and links, uh, so people can go look for themselves. This is a very serious matter. Eight of eight times, this is a dangerous policy of leniency, and it goes back 25 years for Judge Jackson to her time at Harvard Law School, where she published a note on the Harvard Law Review, arguing that sex offenders of kids. Are, uh, are when you have uh, when you have these sex offender registries after sex offenders of kids get out of prison, she thinks that those sex offender registries are somehow unconstitutionally punitive, and you can write that off and say hmm, maybe she's just a you know a 26 year old misguided law student. We can write that one off, but if you have to you have to look at her pattern. She went on the United States Sentencing Commission appointed by President Obama. The Democrats will not turn over her records from her from her nomination to the United States Sentencing Commission. She was the vice chair when she was there from 2010 to 2014. Usually it's incoming. Congress or the attorney general or courts want you to look at a spe- specific issue like fentanyl, for example, 
and make sure our federal sentencing guidelines, the federal ranges of sentences are appropriate and updated for the time so the judges can use these to, uh, to order sentences in these federal felony cases. She took it on her own initiative on the Sentencing Commission to tee up this issue of child pornographers, these people who uh, watch and traffic uh, young kids being raped, tortured and raped for their pleasure. And it's the most heinous, awful stuff in the, on the planet that we can talk about today. Uh, she ginned this up as an issue, and she went in with this theory that these pedophiles are somehow, or excuse me, these pornographers are somehow not pedophiles. They're somehow not dangerous, and therefore they're not a threat to the community, and therefore we're, not, we're putting them in prison for too long. We should lessen the sentence for them. The two expert witnesses at this hearing in 2012, uh, one was a Columbia Medical School psychiatrist, one was a federal prosecutor. They said, no, 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 your theory's wrong. They're pedophiles and they're dangerous. Nonetheless, she disregarded that expert testimony right in front of her and made it a key finding in the Sentencing Commission report in 2012. And that became federal sentencing policy that these judges point to when they try to give light sentences to these people who watch and 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 trade this this child pornography, the most awful filth on the planet. And again, that followed her onto the bench. Eight of eight times, and including nine months ago in this Kane case, that the that the the Biden White House and Judge Jackson uh, just happened to happened to forget about when they were talking about her Supreme Court confirmation. Some would say lied, um, but it's it's a disturbing pattern, Stephen. We have the receipts; it's documented on our website. How long? I'm asking my producer right now. The clip that we have of Lindsey Graham and and Joanne Reed is how long? Just let me know. Just. Uh, I want to. We're going to play some clips here in a second. Let me let me go back to. 217. It's two seventeen. Um, before I get there, I want to. I'll have time here. Uh, Mike, you've run, and I want everybody in the audience to know this, and everybody that's all the lefties are watching this. I mean, Mike Davis has done this for a living. He's one of the top professionals that have done this for Senator Grassley uh, to run these processes. What I think people are coming are finding hard to. Believe it. I know I did when I first got involved in this is that because I was very active in the Gorsuch selection and uh, getting through the Supreme Court as a non-lawyer. Right. Um, the preparation and the turning over of documents. How have we been? And I just want to make sure we get it right. There's 50. Is there 55,000, 48,000 pages, 48,000 pages of documents from the Obama administration, all of her uh, findings from the from the Sentencing Commission and the documents here with their sentencing. That was not all provided to the committee? Correct. So when, when you have Supreme Court nominations, it's routine that Supreme Court nominees turn over key documents. And the documents that she failed to turn over and the Democrats are just excusing, she has three categories of documents. Number one are 48,000 pages of records at the Obama White House archives related to her nomination to both the Sentencing Commission in 2010, along to the D.C. District Court in 2013. The 2013 records would be uh, would be very interesting to obtain because they would they may have the internal records at the United States Sentencing Commission that they are also refusing to turn over her internal deliberations, uh, her emails, her correspondence internally when she's setting federal sentencing policy on the Sentencing Commission from 2010 to 2014, and. What's key about that is what look at what she's saying publicly at this 2012 hearing 
about child pornographers not being dangerous pedophiles somehow. Just imagine what she's saying behind the scenes. So they're hiding those records. Uh, they're also hiding the records, these United States uh, probation office sentencing reports, pre-sentence reports that the judges read before these, they sentence these people. Judge Jackson can look at several data points when she sentences people within, under any statutory minimum, she can sentence, sentence however she wants. She looks at the sentencing guidelines, which is the range from the sentencing commission. If she's above the guidelines or below the guidelines, her sentence is presumptively unreasonable. But if they're within the guidelines, they're presumptively reasonable for purposes of appeal. So these guidelines are very important. So she can look at the sentencing guidelines. She can look at the U.S. attorney's recommendation um, from the prosecutor's recommendation and and or she can look at the probation office's recommendation. She is uh, two of those are public. The probation office's recommendation generally is not. She's she's cherry picking. So what she does is she finds the, the lowest sentence she could find in these particular cases, and then she goes with that or even sometimes lower, right? And so she'll blame the prosecutor, she'll blame Congress, she'll blame her staff, the probation office, she blames everyone but herself. But at the end of the day, this is her pet project. This is her sentencing policy for whatever reason. And it's beyond me that you that she has a reason, but her, 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 big, her big pet project as a legal adult, as a legal advocate, has been a leniency for people, for sex predators, including those who possess and distribute child pornography. It is bizarre. And they're hiding these records from the Biden White House, Judge Jackson's chambers. Okay, that's what I get to. Is this is this a cover up and hiding? Or is there any doubt in your professional opinion that one these documents should have been turned over in the normal course of business, and by they're not turning over, and now that there's a firestorm, because remember when we started this journey three weeks ago, she was sixty five thirty five. This is going to be a layup. They were going to use this as a big political moment, and that's been taken away from them. They're in hiding right now. It's crickets. They're on the committee. They're going to have four or five Republican votes. They're a dead even. That will take place on Monday, as we're going to get into in a second. But is there any doubt in your mind that they're suppressing these records and that they're there's a cover-up going on right now, Mike. We got about a minute. I worked on the I worked on Supreme Court nominations for the Chief Justice, for Alito, for Gorsuch, for Barrett, and uh, and and I led the staff effort in the Senate for Kavanaugh. I can tell you that this is absolutely a cover-up of, of her record, 100% a cover-up. Um, why have the Republicans? Give me 30 seconds. Why are the Republicans going along with this? Couldn't the committee have said once this has become evident and they had can't they put up a firestorm on Monday? I mean, why would we go forward even for her own benefit? I tell you, I want you to answer this on the other side. I think for Judge Jackson, she would want to now clear the air, clear the record, because even if she's confirmed, and I don't believe as later today she will be confirmed. Let me say that. I do not believe she's going to be confirmed, and you're going to be a part of that, this audience, because we're going to have to put our shoulders to the wheel. But I would believe that Judge Jackson, given her other qualifications, her sterling qualifications in other areas, would want to clear the air for this. She would want everything released, and she would want to take whatever time it took to go through it. We're going to take a short break. You're in the war room. This is absolutely uh, couldn't be bigger. The lifetime appointment of a Supreme Court justice, all next in the world.
What's up, ladies and gentlemen? It's Mr. C from The C Report, and I'm stopping in for just a sec to encourage you guys to head over to thecreport.com. At thecreport.com, you can get more information on The C Report, check out episode resources, follow our blog and get new articles every week, join our mailing list, and stay abreast on the latest news and information. That's right, head on over to thecreport.com. That's www.thecreport.com. And be sure to follow us on our social medias Truth Social, Rumble, Twitch, Clout Hub, and Pill.net. Uh, we're going to put it up on Getter and all the platforms. Make sure that you've. Um, that that's the Senate switchboard. Make sure you go and call your local senator, or call McConnell, or if you're a military family, call Congress uh, Senator Tammy Duckworth, who says she, she represents all the military families. So make sure you call her and give her, give these folks your opinion about this. Um, has there ever been? I mean, Bork was was highly qualified, just like Judge Jackson, but they got him on all types of his judgments, etc. But have you seen anything in the interim? Has anything come close? to what we're seeing now about one issue that's basically blown up a nominee, sir? On records or just a substantive issue? Let's, let's do records first, and then we'll do substantive issue. I mean, the Democrats tried to make records an issue out of Kavanaugh's confirmation. They wanted to get—Kavanaugh was the White House staff, staff secretary for President George W. Bush, and that means he's the inbox and outbox to the president of the United States. He, he, he determines what records— get to the president and when, the, when they go into the Oval Office, where do they go after that for follow-up? It's, you know, it's a big job that you're dealing with. In Kavanaugh's time, it was probably 7 million pages of records, and there's just no way we can get through 7 million pages of records. But we also, but we got all of his other records. We got his records when he was in other government jobs, including in the White House Counsel's Office. We got his records when he was a nominee several times to the lower courts. We got his records uh, when he, he worked for Ken Starr, there are many other records we got that went into how he thinks as a lawyer, how he thinks as a judge, his deliberative process. Uh, on substance, I mean, I read, I, I ran that confirmation for Senator Grassley as the chief counsel for nominations. The Democrats tried to accuse him of serial gang rape with six different people, including Michael Avenatti's uh, clown car that came in there, uh, and that was all bogus. We investigated all that, and it was completely nonsense, bogus, garbage. And he was confirmed. What we have here in this case are her her words on paper. These are these are what she said at sentencing hearings, what she did, what she ordered in response to recommendations from the sentencing commission, from the prosecutors, uh, and you know, after hearing these heinous crimes that are described in gory detail in the pleadings posted on Article Three Project's website, she nonetheless gave these monsters the lowest sentence possible eight of eight times unbelievable i tell you let's play i want to play the lindsey graham if we can play the lindsey graham and the joy ann reed if we can take a second and, and play that i want to i want mike davis to respond to this uh this morning uh i'm going to announce my decision on judge jackson's nomination to supreme court i will oppose her and i will vote no my decision is based on upon her record of judicial activism, flawed sentencing methodology regarding child pornography cases, and a belief Judge Jackson will not be deterred by the plain meaning of the law when it comes to liberal causes. 
I find Judge Jackson's to be a person of exceptionally good character, respected by our peers, and someone who has worked hard to achieve her current position. However, her record is overwhelming in its lack of a steady judicial philosophy and a tendency to achieve outcomes in spite of what the law requires or common sense would dictate. After a thorough review of Judge Jackson's record and information gained at the hearing from an evasive witness, I now know why Judge Jackson was the favorite of the radical left, and I will vote no. Her record is overwhelming in its lack of a steady judicial philosophy and a tendency to achieve outcomes in spite of what the law requires or common sense would dictate. After a thorough review of Judge Jackson's record and information gained at the hearing from an evasive witness, I now know why Judge Jackson was the favorite of the radical left, and I will vote no. Whatever, Lindsay, if you watch the Supreme Court nomination hearings for Judge Katanji Brown-Jackson, you're probably not surprised that Senator Lindsey Graham, who snarled and barked through the entire four-day proceeding, announced today that he will, ooh, surprise, not vote to confirm her. Graham spoke on the Senate floor for over 20 minutes today, rattling off his list of grievances, including Judge Jackson's work as a public defender and the way Democrats treated Republican nominees, which, of course, isn't relevant. But just nine months ago, Graham and two other Republican senators actually voted to confirm Judge Jackson for the position that she holds right now on the U.S. Court of Appeals for the D.C. Circuit. At the time, CNN reported that Graham told reporters, quote, I think she's qualified. I think I try to be somewhat consistent here. I think she's qualified for the job. She has a different philosophy than I do. So what changed in nine months, Lindsay? What changed in nine months, Joy and Reed, is what you won't talk about. You notice right there, this is a huge tell. When this has been reported on Lindsey Graham, he said put on the, the revelations on child pornography, not one left-wing media company broadcasting, nobody picked it up. They didn't want to talk about it. They are petrified to the core. They know this hangs in the balance. They This went from a 65-35 layup, which they were going to be able to use in the midterm elections, to now it hangs in the balance, and it's a career ender. They're going to lose the U.S. Senate because of this. Arizona and Nevada will flip because of this vote. Those two at least. This is a career-ending vote because th- those two in Arizona, the senator in Arizona and the senator in Arizona, the Democrats need an overwhelming turnout of the Hispanic community. That's not Steve Bannon saying that. That's Politico's analysis saying that. And this is a killer. The Hispanic community is not going to support this because they understand they're at the forefront of this child sex trafficking that leads into this, the, 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 the filming of ba- rape of babies and rape of young people and their torture. And that's what, it's not child pornography, it's watching the rape and torture of babies and, 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 uh, and children. The, Mike, have you heard, the, the, the bombshell wasn't just the child pornography. It's Lindsey Graham saying what I'm saying, an evasive witness. Mike, you do this for a living. Was she an evasive witness on these topics? First of all, let's go to the spectrum. Was she just not prepared? Was she evasive or was she lying? Mike Davis. No, I'm a lawyer, so I have to be careful how I say this because she's still a sitting judge. But I will tell you that that Josh Hawley tweeted out before her hearing the seven specific cases that we knew about at the time, right? And seven of seven times where she 
went below the prosecutor's recommendation, went below the U.S. sentencing guidelines, and gave rock-bottom sentences seven out of seven times. He tweeted it several days before her hearing. On Monday, he walked through those cases with her very calmly, very coolly, very professionally, I thought very effectively, and explained to her on Monday in his opening statement what questions he would ask on Tuesday. She came in Tuesday, and she was unprepared for, for certain because she didn't wasn't able to answer the questions, but she also omitted a key case, this U.S. versus Kane from nine months ago. We're talking about seven of seven cases all day Monday, all day Tuesday, and all of a sudden uh, this case comes out, uh, uh, U.S. versus Kane, where it's one of the most egregious cases she had with 6,500 images and videos of very, very young kids, babies. And she, uh, this guy shared this stuff 23 times. It's god-awful stuff. And that apps, if you're a judge and you don't, if that's not burned into your memory when it, especially when it just happened nine months ago, it's just not credible considering she said in one of her cases that she remembered the Hawkins case that we'll talk about from 2013 when, when she was sentencing a, a later defendant. So, uh, because the defendant raised the Hawkins case to get a lower sentence from her and she said she remembered the Hawkins case. So it's just, it's not credible for her to say she not, did not remember U.S. versus Kane uh, during her Supreme Court confirmation hearing. And they're, they're covering up. They were hiding it because it's so egregious. You know, you know the preparation goes in this. I mean, the murder board, the, I saw the, the, the gorgeous thing. I mean, the level of preparation, this is so rare. The appointment, lifetime appointment of a Supreme, and confirmation of a Supreme Court justice is so rare in American history. It only happens every so often. It has such a massive impact in the courts in every aspect of your life. How could she not possibly, how could the White House not have her prepared on this topic, Mike Davis? Well, maybe the Democrats don't think that child pornography and pedophilia is that big of a problem. I mean, clearly she doesn't think child pornography is that big of a problem. She wants to give lighter sentences to them. Uh, and she also doesn't think that they're pedophiles, uh, even though the experts both experts at that hearing in 2012 said not only are they pedophiles, they're dangerous pedophiles you, uh, who uh, we shouldn't give lighter sentences to. So who knows? Uh, I would ask this to the American people. Judge Jackson runs on the empathy standard, uh, and she empathizes for these dangerous sex predators, these pedophiles who prey on kids, uh, and in the most egregious videos that you can imagine. If you read these transcripts, you can't watch the videos, it's illegal, you'll go to prison, but you can read these transcripts uh, from, from these court pleadings, from these sentencing hearings, and you're, you're, I, I, I haven't been able to sleep for two nights. It's god-awful stuff. And it's if you can read this as a judge and think that these people deserve leniency instead of a bullet in their head, then there's something wrong with you. Mike, we're going to take a break and we're going to come back and we're going to talk about the impact. People have reached out. One of the powers of this, of doing the show and having the show such reach and Mike being all over, is that people are reaching out to him today. This is not a victimless crime. Remember, the babies and the small children that are raped and tortured, and that's why it's raped and tortured, never recover. Their lives are destroyed. They're destroyed. And Mike's had direct impact on people reaching out to him now. We're going to talk about the New York Post. has got a major article up. There's links everywhere. We're going to talk about how you get this. We're going to talk about what we're going to do this weekend. We're going to take a short break. We've got the heroic Mike Davis from Article 3. Short break. We'll be back in the war room in just a moment. So you guys see um, 
Steve Bannon just got this out today. Okay, so I guess Steve Bannon's running a little bit behind as well. But this is crazy stuff, guys. I mean, I see what you guys are saying in the frick in the chat room. It's like, what are they thinking? What are these people thinking running a judge like this? Is this more light on the darkness? Is this more exposure? Is this part of the movie? Is this to display to the world and the people who are slowly waking up that there are creeps out there that do this kind of crap? And that there are judges, people who are sitting on the bench, who actually rule this way in favor of pedophiles, in favor of people who are child pornographers, in favor of people who are, uh, uh, who, 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 who intake this type of media. It's, it's really, really crazy, guys. It's really crazy. Um, so yeah, you know, this, this was, uh, the whole thing, you know, I mean, I, I saw this this morning-ish whenever I was awake finally, and, uh, I was like, holy crap, like, but now on the Gateway Pundit back on Thursday, like I had been saying, that's when they started running that advertisement. This ad that Mike Davis put out about Kentangi Brown Jackson protecting or being more lenient on uh, child pornographer offenders. Uh, so very much that way. And I, you know, I just, what are they thinking? Are, are the, is, this, is this a test to see how asleep we are or what we're willing to accept like the masks were? Or... Or is this just more exposure? This is more light to the darkness and uh, that kind of a thing, you know? Anyways, um, I want, I mean, I was trying to figure out how much of this I was going to play, but there's so much information in context. And like I said, they just aired this this morning on Bannon's War Room. Uh, so I figured for the context, the information, the historical perspective, we would hear the entire interview. It's almost over. It's probably got about five, ten minutes more at the most. And then we'll talk about some other stuff and we'll see where that leaves us. Ladies and gentlemen, glad you're joining us if you're live with us tonight. Uh, and what's going on, fam bam, over there at uh, foxhole.app and pill.net. Good to see you, folks. This is very thing. Uh, this very thing ought to be putting her in the sights of the FBI at this point. No kidding, right? That's a good point. Two Rivers has got a good point. Sonia seconds that motion. Yeah, she should be in the sights of the FBI. Oh, yeah. All right, let's finish this up, guys. What people have to understand, and she's got a appointment, and these cases are going to come up, they're more and more prevalent as this pandemic spreads. The victims here, the young babies and children that are tortured and raped, tortured and raped, never recover. Their lives are destroyed forever. Mike Davis, give us the example of people that have reached out to you, sir. Yeah, so I had a 73-year-old reach out to me, and I uh, communicated with this person, and this person said that I can uh, share this, and I have on my Twitter feed, and I can read part of this. Uh, this person says, I'm a 70, I am 73, a survivor of child porn and prostitution. Without an audience, my parental figure would not have had an incentive to do this. Incest was bad enough. This torture created a whole new level of pain and suffering. It started in the crib. I have a great life now. It took 27 years of therapy, two hospitalizations, I had DID, and multiple 12-step groups to overcome the torture in my youth. I also have a wonderful husband and partner of almost 50 years. He can verify the pain and suffering I endured to recover. I am the exception. One sibling died of an overdose in a Skid Row mission 
another is drinking, and another is still drinking and just got fired for too many DUIs. Another weighs 600 pounds, and another had a and another had a heart attack while drunk at 33. Child porn and prostitution kills and or cripples its victims. It must be stopped by penalties, treatment, oversight, and warning the public. I don't hate pedophiles. I have great empathy for them. No one is born a pedophile. Abuse creates them. Even in jail, I would pay for treatment with my taxes. My psychiatrist said that pedophiles who do the work I do, I did, will have less of a drive to act out. I support treatment in and out of prison. I do not support three-month jail sentences. Thank you for you for the work you are doing. God bless. So um, was, right now on. Excuse me, Mike. I'm sorry. Survivor. I said I've had many examples over the last several days, especially of law enforcement officers, survivors, experts who have all contacted me, and they're very happy that you're that 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 we're we're doing this, Steve, because there are a lot of there are too many people in this country who are scared to speak up for the most vulnerable people on the planet, which are these child sex sex abuse victims. That's what's happening here. The mainstream MSNBC is supposed to be so empathetic. They could care less. You thought it was bad with the Uyghurs and the Olympics. This is this is outrageous. They could care less. This this is this is absolutely completely horrific. Uh, I want New, uh, Paul Sperry, the great investigative reporter at the New York Post, has up right now in the New York Post. There's links to it all over. We're going to have links up on our Getter account of his article. Tell us about, just summarize his article. What what material does he have that he's combined into this article, uh, Mike Davis? This guy is just a, a fantastic reporter, and he did the deep dive with Article 3 Project on the court records. He went through the transcripts. From these sentencing hearings, what what was said to Judge Jackson at these sentencing hearings, at these eight separate sentencing hearings, and uh, the 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 sentencing recommendation seven times again, the Kane's recommendation from nine months ago is under seal. But for seven of these cases, there was a, a, a U.S. Attorney's Office sent a detailed submission, and we went through in detail on each one of these cases, all eight cases, and uh, said who the defendant was, talked about what they were charged with. Uh, what the specific allegations are on each case, what the U.S. attorney, what the U.S. sentencing guidelines recommended, what the U.S. attorney recommended, and how Judge Jackson went rock bottom sentences, rock bottom sentences each and every time. Let's talk about how can people get access to the uh, actual documents themselves. How can we? Because we we want to. We're going to work an effort here to to. Um, make sure that Collins and Murkowski and Romney and all these people actually have it read to them and they can hear it from the voice of the people as horrific as it is, because we can't, it's not good enough. Collins said, well, I had a follow on meeting. She sat on my sofa and had a cup of tea and, you know, I, I worked it out. That's not good enough. We have no earthy idea no. what Collins saw, what was said. It's not good enough. Mike, Mike, uh, Mike Davis. I know that these senators were on notice that these records existed and they didn't. They didn't do their job. They didn't do their constitutional duty. Uh, it would the, the their constitutional duty to actually look at these records was politically inconvenient, and that is a major failure on their parts as United States senators. Senators, when you're dealing with a nomination to the highest court in our land for the rest of their lives, there's only nine of these people, right? We've had, you know, less than 120 justices in our entire country's history, and if they're not willing to take uh, some time to go look at these sentencing records, these sentencing transcripts, 
these sentencing recommendations, if they're not even willing to have their staff go look at them for them, uh, they're failing their duty. This is a dereliction of their one of their most important constitutional duties, which is to provide advice and consent on a president's Supreme Court nominee. And this Supreme Court nominee has one of the most troubling, actually the most troubling record I have ever seen in a Supreme Court nominee, any judge. Uh, and it's stunning to me that senators like Senator Collins, who I respected, I worked with on the on the Kavanaugh confirmation very closely. She went through every record. She went through his high school yearbooks. She put us through our paces to make damn sure we chased down every one of these bogus allegations that came in, including goofball Michael Avenatti and his trash client Julie Swetnick. We chased down. We we had 45 people on Senator Grassley's staff chasing down about 45 witnesses. We dotted our eyes. We crossed our T's. We went after everything for her in that case, and she can't even be bothered to go look at sentencing, eight sentencing uh, records uh, for eight specific cases that we've named. It's 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 shameful. She needs to reconsider. Hold on, hold on. I don't think this is new information. I don't think everybody knew that. She actually put you guys through the exercise of, of a huge staff, all the nonsense about Kavanaugh, and, and she had to go through his high school yearbook. And I know for the fact she hasn't reached out here, she b- thinks it's beneath her to look at this, but she's the Kavanaugh thing. Explain that to me again. She so on the and I and I res, I respect Senator Collins because she I think she really does her job and uh, doing due diligence on these judicial nominations. And she put us through our paces. I was the chief counsel for nominations on the Senate Judiciary Committee, uh, and she was one of the undecideds along with Jeff Flake and Lisa Murkowski at the very end. And we had to go through our paces. We had forty-five people on Grassley's staff digging through every allegation that came in, every allegation. We went through every bogus tip that went into the FBI tip hop, hop hotline. We went back 35 years. We talked to all six of the allegations, including Michael Avenatti's garbage allegations, including the guy, uh, Catalan was his name, on the Rhode Island boat who said that Kavanaugh gang raped some woman on a, on a boat, but then he recanted his story. We went through everything. We did the most thorough vetting that you can do a, for a Supreme Court nominee, and senators can't even bother to walk over to the Senate Judiciary Committee and read uh, and read eight tr- uh, sentencing transcripts and seven pleadings from prosecutors. I mean, it's it's there's no excuse for this. This is a total dereliction of duty. The the eight and the seven, the eight the sentencing and the, and the seven pleadings from the prosecutors. What are people? We're going to make sure everyone that we've got is going to be out there so they can see it. And do the work of Collins, Murkowski, and Romney. What would they see? What will they see? Uh, and remember, we're at a family show. What will they see when they go through there? I just want to prepare people for this. Let me give you one example. One example is Wesley Hawkins that we've talked about. This is a guy back in 2013 when uh, when Judge Jackson joined the D.C. District Court. She just came onto the bench from the uh, from the Sentencing Commission, where she concocted this crazy, dangerous theory that. She, these child pornographers are not dead, dangerous pedophiles. So what's her first case? Wesley Hawkins. He's picked up for possession of child pornography. He had uh, YouTube videos. He had images. Uh, he had five YouTube videos. He had 16 images, uh, 17 videos. And these included eight, 11, and 12-year-old kids. Uh, sentencing guidelines minimum, minimum 97 months in prison. U.S. Attorney's recommend, recommendation, minimum 24 months. It's unclear to me why they were so 
far under the minimum there, but that's during the Obama administration, so that may explain it. Uh, you have this, her own staff, when she blames her staff, she blames the probation office for her lenient sentences. Her own staff recommends 18 months. So 97 months, 24 months, 18 months for sick child pornography of eight-year-olds, eight as young as eight-year-olds. She got, she gave him three months. Uh, three months, 97% below the sentencing guideline recommendation of 97 months. And this is important. Uh, two things happened during that time. She did not order computer monitoring after he left prison after three months, which is routine for these cases. So you can make sure that not, they're not preying on kids online again. So she doesn't order routine, uh, routine computer monitoring. She lets them out 97% below the guidelines. And she, the, guess what he does during this time? He reoffends. He comes back in, they have to send him to jail again. I mean, it's just, this is what I mean by, this is a perfect example of when you don't take this stuff seriously, you have dangerous pedophiles. You have the same Hawkins guy when reporters, the Washington Post did their first investigative journalism in this entire ordeal with this child pornography case. And guess what their investigative journalism was? They go find this Hawkins and try to write this puff piece to play him up like he's the victim here. Like, like he's the victim. He's the he's the predator who reoffended, but somehow he's the victim in the Washington Post eyes because they're trying to carry the water for Jackson and make uh, just to get her on the Supreme Court to have another liberal activist on the Supreme Court. And they even he says that he was surprised he only got three sentences, three three months sentence to the Washington Post reporter. Other defendants, uh, more of these defendants actually cite it to Hodkins this case when Judge Jackson was sentencing them and said, "Look, look, you only gave him three months." And she says, I remember that case vividly or whatever she said. We can find it in the transcripts. Again, this is all online. I have page numbers. I have the transcripts hyperlinked with specific page numbers where you can go look at this stuff. It is much more horrific than even what I'm describing here. It's child sex abuse, including of young kids, including of babies, torture, rape. It's, it's the most vile stuff that you can read. How do people get to that? I want to make sure people get to this. Over the weekend, I want to tell you, watch Mike's Getter and his Twitter feed. And, of course, War Room and my personal Getter feed. We're going to be actually coming out with instructions. I'm going to probably do a couple of live Getters over the weekend to make sure that we're up to speed. And people, we're going to make sure that we must ensure that Collins, uh, Murkowski, and uh, and Romney get this and, and force them to basically read this stuff and consider it. Mike, how do people get to your site? I know you got to bounce. How do people get to your site to actually read this material in, in its uh, in its raw form. So article3project.org, article3project.org, and my getter and Twitter is M-R-D-D-M-I-A, M-R-D-D-M-I-A. That's Michael R. Davis, Des Moines, Iowa, where I'm from. Okay, I want everybody to push out his ads. I want everybody to read this material and push it out. Uh, I'm going to be on Getter. Uh, live probably later this afternoon, definitely tomorrow. We're going to figure out how to do this. we got a lot of work. The committee meets on Monday. It's 11-11 right now, but we've got a lot of work before us. But we've taken it down from 65 to 35 to a dead heat, and it's a career-ending uh, vote for Democratic senators in Arizona and Nevada, probably other places too. Uh, but we'll get to all that. Uh, Mike, one more time, what's your, uh, what's your uh, getter account? M-R-D-D-M-I-A. And thank you very much, Steve. You've been great. Thanks, brother. You've done all the work. 202-224-3121. Call the United States Senate switchboard right now. Let folks know how you feel. Okay. Short commercial break. We'll be back. Uh, Joe Allen joins us. 
All right, guys, and that's what we're doing here. We're pushing it out, y'all. We're pushing it out. I can uh, tell by y'all's comments the disdain and disgust about this topic, guys. I mean, it's it, it's it's bringing it back up to the forefront. It's exactly what uh, this is exactly one of those cases, guys. It needed to come back up into the forefront. Okay, so. I mean, uh, when you consider uh, what uh, Ghislaine Maxwell, when you consider uh, this this uh, Yahoo that's in uh, trial right now uh, for uh, a human trafficking and exploitation, uh, Prince Andrew, R. Kelly, for crying out loud, like all of this stuff is pushing back up to the front. It's pushing back up to the top. There's going to be another wave of Save the Children coming to a neighborhood near you very soon, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, so I have um, up here the Article 3 Project website, so we can check that out. And uh, we're also going to check out that New York Times, or sorry, New York Post article uh, that, that really broke all of this down uh, with the, um, the journalist that did the dive into all of her cases. And uh, we'll, we'll take it from there. What's going on, Bill Tech? Good to see you in the house tonight. Uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, let's see here. Uh, hey, it's Yavapai Michael. What's going on, Yavapai Michael? Good to see you. It's been a minute. Uh, Yavapai says, there is a reason she is ruling that way. Her lack of empathy for the children of these crimes shows her heart of wickedness and a dark soul. And isn't that ironic? Don't you think? How they're saying that she is, uh, her judging and her sentencing is, is based on empathy and that conservatives and, uh, I guess Republicans lack empathy because they're trying to bring her down and make her look bad. I mean, anyone who defends this woman at this point is either ignorant, asleep, or there's something wrong with them. Okay. There's something wrong with them. We don't turn our back. And we don't turn our cheek to people that allow these things to happen, okay? That allow these things to happen. And that's a very good point that Yavapai Michael brought up. Because it has been said before, if it wasn't by uh, Josh Hawley, uh, it was by uh, maybe Ted Cruz that was saying, you know, you don't, you, 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 don't, you don't think about the children in these cases. And she's like, yes, the children are always at the top of my mind. Well, she's a darn Pennywise the Clown, and she probably eats children for breakfast, ladies and gentlemen. And I know that's getting so, what, hyperbolic that it's, it's damn right near laughable and kind of diminishes what the topic of the evening is. But, I mean, think about it, guys. Think about it. All right? Think about it. So uh, this is the website here. And uh, that's our Article 3 Project. Uh, we defend constitutionalist judges and the rule of law. Um, and what we do, uh, A3P defends constitutionalist judges, punches back on radical assaults on judicial independence, like court packing, and opposes judicial and other nominees who are outside of the mainstream. Pretty interesting what, that, uh, what Mike Davis was saying about Susan Collins, right? about how she really went to task and she had them digging through yearbooks to chase down possible witnesses to question for Brett Kavanaugh, but she couldn't even be bothered to walk across the hallway to read eight case uh, sentencing reviews that had to do with Contangia Jackson Brown, or Contangia Brown Jackson. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. Susan Collins, rhino, right? 
Lisa Murkowski, Rhino. I, yeah, communist, right? Communist. Anyways. Um, okay, so this is the website. Um, that is uh, article the number three project.org. Article three project.org if you want to take a look at it. Um, we're gonna look at the New York Post article now. Uh, where this broke, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, and this broke today, okay? Well, yesterday morning, uh, on the second of April. Isn't that crazy? They're they're doing the confirmation voting on Monday. Monday. Do you think that there will be enough of a stir that uh, they'll break through? They'll break through the switchboard. They'll break through to the Senate. That the people they'll actually hear the Senate senators will actually hear their constituents. That's what I want to know. You know, because, man, talk about the 11th hour, ladies and gentlemen. That's why I'm like, we need to talk about Contange Brown Jackson, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, so uh, this article says that Contange Brown Jackson chose leniency even in baby sex torture cases. Do you guys think that this is just an alarmist type of uh, uh, clickbait uh, um, headline? Or do you think there's some merit to it? Well, obviously, based on what we've been listening to for the last 30 minutes, there's probably some merit to it. It says, in the eight child porn cases that came before her court, former D.C. District Court Judge Kentanja Brown Jackson heard horrifying details of sadomasochistic torture of young kids, including infants and toddlers, yet challenged the disturbing evidence presented by prosecutors and disregarded their prison recommendations to give the lightest possible punishments in each case, according to transcripts of sentencing hearings obtained by the Post. In some cases, she even apologized to some of the kiddie porn perverts for having to follow the statutes which she called substantially flawed. Over and over, the records reveal Jackson made excuses for the sex fiend's criminal behavior and cut them slack in defiance of investigators and prosecutors and sometimes even probation officers serving her court who argued for tougher sentences because the cases were particularly egregious or the defendants were not remorseful. The fuller record of, or, of her orders as a trial judge detailed here for the first time undercuts the White House's and the Senate Democrats' arguments that her sentences were within the normal range or mainstream of child porn cases as they try to defend the Supreme Court nod against growing allegations that she is soft on crime. Jackson, 51, who tried the cases as an Obama appointee from 2013 to 2021, was nominated earlier this year by President-elect Biden, who pledged during the campaign to put the first black woman on the high bench. Well, maybe that's why he was saying the first black woman, because he didn't want to say the first uh, pedo uh, sympathizer, right? The Senate will vote on her confirmation next week. There's Pennywise, okay. Uh, in July of 2020, Jackson gave the bare minimum sentence to a defendant convicted of distributing images and videos of infants being sexually abused and who had boasted of molesting his 13-year-old cousin 
even though she knew the defendant refused to take full responsibility for his crimes, a transcript reveals. In 2018, Christopher Michael Downs was busted trading child porn in a private online chat room, Pedos Only, including images of adult males raping a prepubescent female child, according to court records. He posted 33 graphic photos, including an image of a naked female child as young as two years old. Downs, then 30, told the group, I once fooled around with my 13-year-old cousin. He also uploaded a 10-second video of a prepubescent female lying in a bathtub and with an adult male inserting his penis into her mouth. I apologize for the language, guys. Actually, that right there is what you will read if you look at the transcripts. It's that graphic. It is that graphic. Like, it's worse than that. Like, some of the, the... It's very, very descriptive. The transcripts, I've read them. Um, not not in, in length, but I, just about enough. I couldn't, I couldn't keep going through them. Jackson herself admitted that the felon was at risk of reoffending. The transcript further reveals. But she declined to enhance his prison time based on the amount of porn he distributed arguing such enhancements were outdated and substantially flawed. She acknowledged the average sentence nationally for similarly situated defendants was 81 months, but she gave him the statutory mandatory minimum sentence of 60 months, which was short of the nearly six years prosecutors asked for. In addition, Jackson gave him credit for time served starting from when he was first incarcerated in October 2018, so technically, she gave him only 38 months, or a little over three years, in the pen. Downs is scheduled for release in December. In her April 2021 sentencing of child porn distributor Ryan Manning Cooper, Jackson contradicted the findings of prosecutors dismissing the crimes they described as on the more egregious and extreme spectrum of child porn as not especially egregious. Among the more than 600 images prosecutors told the judge he traded were sexually explicit pics depicting pictures depicting bondage of infants and toddlers. Prosecutors also busted him with a video of a prepubescent boy being penetrated anally and orally by an older male. I'm really reluctant to get into the nature of the porn, Jackson told the court before sentencing Cooper to prison time, short of what the prosecution recommended. Jackson argued, I don't find persuasive the government's arguments concerning why they think that this is a particularly egregious child pornography offense, which means I struggled to find a good reason to impose a sentence that is more severe in this case. Can you guys believe this woman? Jackson cited mitigating factors, including letters family members sent to her describing Cooper as kind, hardworking, dependable, loving. I have no reason to doubt those representations. Striking a sympathetic tone, she advised the defendant, there are going to be a lot of restrictions that the law places on you because you are a convicted sex offender and you're going to need the support of these people during this next phase of your life. Insane. In his case and other cases, 
Jackson cited criticism of federal sentencing guidelines for child porn being outdated and too severe to justify her downward variances in prison time, arguing such policy disagreement with the guidelines has led her to develop my own analysis of child pornography offenses, her words. However, experts point out that her objections are a circular argument because the criticism she cited to back her ruling is the same criticism she herself wrote years earlier as President Obama's vice chair of the U.S. Sentencing Commission. She served as the tip of the spear in weakening federal sentencing policy for child pornographers as vice chair of the U.S. Sentencing Commission where she ignored the advice of expert witnesses who disputed her theory that child pornographers are somehow not pedophiles, said Mike Davis, president of Article 3 Project, a Washington advocacy group, advocacy group for constitutional judges and the rule of law. Isn't that funny? I mean, it's not funny, but you know how we always talk about it's a revolving door in Washington, D.C., it's like you're a lawmaker, then you go to become like, I don't know, the head of some three-letter agency like the FDA or something. And then you go from there to being like the CEO of the company, you know, and then and then you go from there to being a lobbyist for the company. Then you go back into Washington. It's just like a revolving door between these things. She did this for the law. She worked on the U.S. Sentencing Commission as the top dog. Okay, she weakened the rules for child pornographer sentencing. Then she goes into the courts and she sentences people willy-nilly how she wants because she already weakened it as the head, the vice chair of that commission. And now she gets to go to the Supreme Court. So she, she, did, she did the revolving door on the judicial side of things, right? She went to the, the head of the, where you... You, you do all of this sentencing stuff, the U.S. Sentencing Commission, and then she went into work into the courts, and it's it, that is a vicious cycle, and she did it all herself. She has single-handedly done this to this country and to the children, this Kentangi Brown Jackson. That is this woman, man. I don't know. D do I call her a woman, right? She can't even define woman. Anyways, okay. Back to the article, it says, uh, Jackson complained that current sentencing schemes don't accurately measure the severity of child porn offenses because computers, the internet, and digital cameras make it so easy to collect, store, and distribute illegal porn today. Which means you, have to, you don't have to work as hard, which means obviously you may not want it as badly if you didn't have to work as hard, right? It's easier, so you know we're gonna go easier on you guys because you didn't have to work hard to get it. You didn't put any blood, sweat, and tears. You didn't use any elbow grease just to, uh, to, to view uh, sexual exploitation and sexual abuse of children. Right, Kintanji, is that what you mean? But cross prosecutors don't buy it. They say the amount of computer files stored and or traded is still an aggravating factor that should be considered in sentencing. They say the perps are not passive actors, merely receiving files haphazardly in spite of the easier means of collecting such filth digitally. In the case Jackson heard, in the cases Jackson heard, prosecutors said the defendants were caught actively soliciting child porn, storing it and sharing it, typically in chat rooms frequented by pedophiles or posting it on Tumblr and YouTube. 
Prosecutors as well as some defense attorneys also argue non-production of child porn is hardly a victimless crime. By collecting and distributing such porn on the internet, they say defendants are re-victimizing children who are forced to commit unspeakable acts of sexual violence for their viewing pleasure while creating demand for future sexual exploitation of children. Pennywise! In her 2013 sentencing of Wesley Keith Hawkins, who was busted posting videos on YouTube of boys as young as 11 years old being raped by men, Jackson gave the young gay black man essentially a slap on the wrist and then apologized to him for it. Instead of the two years of prison prosecutors asked for, she gave him just three months and sent him to a lower security facility and even arranged special protections for his safety normally afforded cops whom are sent to prison. I am not persuaded that two years in prison is necessary, she ruled, arguing that such a sentence does not account for mitigating factors, including Mr. Hawkins' future potential. Further explaining her decision, she disputed the severity of the evidence investigators presented and suggested the more than 600 images they caught him with do not signal an especially heinous or egregious child pornography offense. So what do you have to have, like 2 million images or what? Jackson told Hawkins, this is a truly difficult decision. According to page 46 of the transcript, she says, I appreciate that your family is in the audience. I feel so sorry for them and for you and for the anguish that this has caused all of you. That's insane. Jackson then expressed sorrow over even the light sentencing she handed down. Jackson said, I also feel terrible about the collateral consequences of this conviction. She said, sex offenders are truly shunned in our society, but I have no control over the collateral consequences. Dang, this is just crazy. She is insane, y'all. Jackson offered that youth and inexperience may have clouded his judgment and dismissed concerns that he was a risk to reoffend. Jackson opined, there's no reason to believe you are a pedophile or that you pose any risk to children, so it is not necessary to incapacitate you in order to protect the public. Only Hopkins proved Jackson wrong in 2019 when his probation officer busted him continuing his child porn obsession. Jackson had to step in and essentially resentence him, this time to six months in a residential re-entry center, according to her court filing. Asked about Hawkins' relapse at her Senate hearing, she testified that she could not recall the matter, but transcripts show that in her May 2021 sentencing of Adam Chazen, who was busted with 48 files of child porn, including images of toddlers, she said, I remember Mr. Hawkins' case well, even though it was many years ago. Jackson cited her leniency toward Hawkins while giving Chazen just 28 months in prison versus the 78 months prosecutors demanded. 
a more serious example of recidivism involved in another case Jackson heard with a compassionate ear. In 2015, Neil Alexander Stewart, 31 years old, was caught with hundreds of child sex images and videos. He confided to an undercover officer, posing as a fellow child predator, that he was interested in willing children between the ages of 5 and 11 and sought to meet at the DC Zoo with the agent's fictional 9-year-old daughter. In one text cited by prosecutors, Stewart advised the undercover officer how to groom a child to have sexual intercourse, which they could later videotape. The trick is, to, the trick is starting with really small toys and gradually moving up until something is the same size and vibrate. That is disgusting. That's disgusting. In her 2017 sentence, Jackson gave Stewart 57 months in jail well short of the 97 months prosecutors had asked for. The judge set aside prosecutors' warnings that Stewart was a risk for hands-on sexual abuse of children and posed a continuing threat to the community. At her Senate confirmation hearing, Jackson was asked if she was aware that Stewart had allegedly re-offended. Would it surprise you to learn that Mr. Stewart is a recidivist, asked Senator Josh Hawley, a Missouri Republican. He has warrants issued again for his arrest just three years after your sentencing. Jackson shrugged. You know, Senator, there is data in the Sentencing Commission and elsewhere that indicates that there are serious recidivism issues. And so among the various people that I've sentenced, I'm not surprised that there are people who re-offend and it is a terrible thing that it happens in our system. As if though she meant that. As if though she meant that, right? Mike Davis, who previously served as chief counsel for nominations to former Senate Judiciary Committee Chairman Chuck Grassley, uh, said Jackson is an activist judge with extreme views. Uh, Davis, whom we just saw with Bannon, said she's clearly not a mainstream judge. After she heard details of sex torture of young kids, including babies, she nonetheless disregarded the official sentencing guidelines and prosecutors' recommendations to give rock-bottom sentences in eight of eight cases. He said, adding that she seems more concerned about the well-being of pedophiles than the safety of your children. And thanks to her, they may be living in your neighborhood right now. God, man. I'm telling you guys, this stuff... The Sea Report and all the shows on this podcast channel are 100% listener-supported. We don't have corporate sponsors... We don't have independent sponsors. Our sponsors are you, the listener. So if you like the work we do and like what we have to say and contribute to the world of news and information and entertainment, please show us your support. Make a monthly donation to help sustain future episodes at anchor.fm slash the sea report. Your support is greatly appreciated. From $0.99 cents per month to $4.99 per month to $9.99 per month. Every donation counts and every bit helps. 
Show your support for The Sea Report and other shows on this podcast channel by visiting anchor.fm slash The Sea Report. And thanks, y'all. This thing right here, Kintanji Brown Jackson? No, 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 no. Ladies and gentlemen, no, 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 no. What are we looking at now? Um, I told you guys I had a whole bunch of transcripts that I had gone through. They're still here. Let me move that one down. Um, let's pop back over to the um, Article 3 Project website. Um, we'll look at their media real quick. So yeah, here it talks about the uh, transcripts. Oh, we can read about them, I think. Uh, that would probably be better. Okay. Uh, so this here is about the transcripts. So Article 3 Project released new research on Judge Contangi Brown Jackson's excessively lenient sentencing record toward criminals charged with distributing and possessing child pornography, A3P, obtained the eight sentencing transcripts and um, and seven prosecutor sentencing recommendations. Eight are under seal for eight separate cases regarding child pornography where Judge Jackson handed down sentences that were below the United States sentencing guidelines, a pattern that A3P has found through research since the beginning of the nomination process. The eight cases, uh, the eighth, eighth case was reported by Fox News after hearing leading uh, after the hearing leading to speculation of a cover-up. Yesterday, A3P launched a set of ads calling on U.S. Senators to vote against Judge Jackson's nomination. Um, so let me see here. Okay, I think this is where we want to go. Um, this is where you can get the transcripts if you care to read it. So this is where it tells you about each of the cases without going through the transcripts. So A3P research, Judge Contangi Brown Jackson's eight-year record of granting excessively lenient sentences in at least eight of eight. That's 100% child pornography cases. Uh, this is the case here, um, the Wesley Hawkins case. Uh, he served only three months prison, and then, of course, he reoffended. Um, and uh, ch charges, possession of child pornography, five YouTube posts, 16 images, and 17 videos, including eight to 11 and 12-year-old males. Um, U.S. sentencing guidelines was 97 months. She gave him 24 months. Her staff recommended 18 months. Oh, I take it back. Uh, sentencing guidelines was 97 months. The U.S. attorney wanted 24 months. Her staff recommended 18 months. She gave him three months. Okay, three months. And then, of course, he reoffended. And um, you you can read the prosecutor's memo, and that has it's it's pretty graphic. Um, warning, graphic and detailed description of child sex abuse on pages two through four. It's pretty graphic. Um, it's pretty disgusting, guys. Uh, United States, this is the Neil Stewart case. Okay. Uh, he was, his judgment date was t February 27, 2017. He'll be released, he was released uh, in 2019. 
of possession of child pornography possessed thousands of videos and pictures said he may travel across state lines to visit a nine-year-old girl and sexually abuse her uh sentencing guidelines 97 months uh u.s attorney recommended 97 months her court staff recommended 42 months as a minimum um, she sentenced him to 57 months and again it, it'll tell you guys there if you go and look it up this is the dennis brian dennis hess case okay Distribution of child pornography over 600 uh, pictures found on phone said his own daughter was in some of the photos. Um, U.S. guidelines for sentencing was 151 months. The United States attorney wanted 60 months. Her court recommended 60 months. Uh, Judge Jackson gave him 60 months, which was 60 cent per low the guidelines. 60 60 60 below the guidelines statutory of a five-year mandatory minimum that's what she went with uh, no photo available for this one jeremy sears distributed over 100 videos along with sexual images of his 10 year old daughter that's so sad distribution of child pornography they want it 97 months 97 months Staff recommended 120 months. She gave him 71 months, which is 27% below the guidelines. Michael, Christopher Michael Downs. So this one is the one that has uh, more than 30 media files posted on an app, including infant abuse. This is the one that boasted about um, doing things with his 13-year-old cousin. 70 months, 70 months, 60 months. She gave 60 months. That was the mandatory minimum. Ryan Manning Cooper. Picture, public blogs uh, posted 45 pictures. Possession of 600 plus images, including prepubescent boys. Recommended 151 months. United States Attorney, 72 months. 60 months was uh, recommended by her staff, and that's what she gave him. And then there's this uh, Lucas W. Kane distributed 30 plus gigabytes of data specific, specifically posted 6500 plus files in an anonymous group posted children who were elementary school age and older the recommendation for that is under seal united states guidelines said 97 months the court staff recommended 84 months she gave him 60 months and this is case number eight, the Adam Chazen case, or Chazen case. Over a period of two years, collected just under 50 child pornography files, including prepubescent girls and toddlers. Uh, US, and, uh, U.S. sentencing guidelines, an attorney was at 78 months. Her staff was at 28 months. She did 28 months. That's crazy stuff, guys. Crazy information. I mean, I just... There's no way this woman can be confirmed. I mean, there's no way. No way she can be confirmed. Um, just knowing. And she says she has empathy, guys. She says she has empathy. Anyways, uh, we're not going to read these, y'all. I mean, it, it, we are in the dark right now, but there's... I just... I don't think we can read these. Um, we could read the sentencing, um, but... 
these things are graphic in description of the type of abuse. Oh, I highlighted this uh, for a reason, though. There's a reason why I picked this one uh, to show you guys. And it says, uh, child pornography causes real and lasting harm in our society. It is not just about images and videos. It is about the children in those images and videos. It is about children who are at best being treated as sexualized objects and at worst being horrifically and repeatedly sexually abused. The abuse of child pornography victims does not end, however, when the physical contact or production of images or videos is over. The abuse and harm go on as long as those images and videos are viewed, traded, collected, and used by offenders for sexual gratification. This harm cannot be overstated. Particularly in the internet age, victims of child pornography must attempt to cope with the knowledge that the worst moments of their young lives are forever memorialized and available to child pornographers, individuals like the defendant who receive, seek, view, keep, trade, distribute, and use child pornography for their own sexual gratification, are part of the illicit market for child pornography, which continually re-victimizes the children in already existing images and videos and promotes the brutalization of even more children for new images and videos. Okay. And uh, then it just continues on with uh, the sentencing. Judge KBJ, Katanja Brown Jackson, ladies and gentlemen, so if you want to go through her psychology of why she sentenced, how she sentenced, what she said, what her thoughts and her purview was, these are available over at that website. And like I said, initially I was kind of like, uh, we're going to read these because people need to know. After I read them, I was like, maybe not. Um, I don't think we can do that. You guys get the idea, right? You get the idea. So anyways, guys. Anyways, ladies and gentlemen, I just thought this uh, this was a topic that needed to be discussed, um, particularly because they're doing their sentencing on Monday. Or not sentencing. They should be doing their sentencing on Monday. Unfortunately, they are doing their uh, voting on Monday for Contanja Brown Jackson. And, uh, well, ladies and gentlemen, that is that. Look at that thing. Oh, get her off the screen. Get her off the screen. Get her off the screen. Okay. I don't think we're going to have time to do tabs tonight, guys. Contanja Jackson Brown kind of took up all of our, uh, took up all of our time. Thank you all for hanging out with us in the dark tonight. As, as it is usually done, a little bit more casual, a little bit more on the fly. I don't know what we're going to do if she gets confirmed. <laughs> Sheila Jackson Brown. I, I heard uh, Two Rivers throw Sheila Jackson Lee's name out there earlier. Pedo Jackson Lee is what I call that woman. Okay, she wears her boy lover jewelry with pride. Um, another Jackson, ladies and gentlemen. Another Jackson. Is there something to it? I don't know, guys. All right. My soul is heavy enough, y'all. We're going to call it a night for tonight. Thanks for hanging out with us. Let me release the scratch-offs. Uh, make sure you guys follow us over at Rumble. Follow us at Twitch. Join us over at uh, thefoxhole.app and favorite the show. 
Um, follow us over at pill.net. If you've never been to either of those platforms, they're sister, it's a sister, they're sister platforms. They, they work in tandem and it's a community of uh, a bunch of patriots over there. A bunch of, uh, a bunch of, uh, America first constitutionalist Republic restorationists and lots of good content creators as well. Uh, so do that. If not, you know, uh, make sure you uh, follow us wherever, whatever platform it is that you are uh, familiar and or friendly with. Visit us over at uh, thecreport.com. Follow us on our website. Uh, sign up for our email list. Sorry, I'm distracted by the chat, guys. Okay, all right, we're gonna we're gonna wrap it there, ladies and gentlemen, and uh, we'll do we'll do a short wrap out tonight. We won't do the long one. It's already, it's already past my bedtime, ladies and gentlemen. And I got some family coming over tomorrow. Uh, we may be on the air tomorrow. We may not be, but we'll definitely be back on Monday for another episode of The Sea Report. Uh, so make sure you guys uh, tune in, don't tune out, and we'll see you then. Until next time, have a wonderful evening. Be safe, be blessed, God bless America, and God save the children. We'll see you next time.